on your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. There's an awful lot going on, as you would imagine there to be. Zach Goldsmith has resigned from the government. Nigel Farage can't get a bank account. Richard Tice is here to talk us through all of that. Uh, we're going to talk about the Rwanda ruling from yesterday and whether or not Rishi Sunak is actually going to be able to overturn it, whether or not anybody will ever go to Rwanda and whether or not uh, any more money is worth spending on it. We'll talk about the NHS reforms that Rishi Sunak is about to announce probably during this show around about midday. Uh, he's going to be talking about the biggest reform in the NHS's history. Uh, to apparently save £10 billion, uh, they're going to be spending an even bigger fortune uh, on setting out measures to plug a deficit of up to 360,000 staff, which is all very well if you want a doctor in 2035. But what if you want a doctor tomorrow? You still can't get one. I'm not sure these radical reforms in the NHS are going to make any difference whatsoever. But we'll take your views on that, of course, amongst many, many other things. We're also talking later on in the show uh, to Gavin Mortimer over in Paris, uh, where things are getting pretty tasty uh, between the government uh, and, of course, the people who are rioting and have been rioting uh, over the shooting death uh, of a young man. That's all going on. We're also going to be talking to Ruth Warrender up in Scotland about dangerous dogs. Kevin O'Sullivan's going to be here to tell us why ITV have suddenly gone woke slightly before they go broke by using a trans woman uh, instead of a Thames Water customer uh, of any other hue. And also, we'll have the Veterans Voice, the launch today uh, of a radical reason to help veterans in this country, people who have stood up for this country, people who have put their lives on the line for this country, people who deserve to be given housing in this country, people who deserve to be given help in this country, rather than those people who have come here illegally from parts abroad. They seem to be getting ahead of the veterans of this country, and I think that is not good enough. 0344 499 1000. We will take all of your calls, of course, as well, because this is the one place where we care what you think and the one place where we will augment your views and amplify them and tell the powers that be precisely what it is that you want from them. And what we know is that what you don't want is more illegal migrants. What you don't want is more taxes. What you don't want is more NHS strikes. And what you don't want is any more curtailing of our freedoms. We will get to all of that plus an awful lot more right here between now and one o'clock. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let us get it on. Very good morning and welcome to yet another Friday. It's a bit of a curtailed week for me because I was away the first couple of days. Came back on Wednesday. I could get used to this three-day week. Richard Tice is here. <laughs> Don't um, you start. It's I bad know. enough. It's I bad know. enough with the civil servants and the public sector. I mean, Mike. it's no wonder they like the old work-life balance thing. You know, yeah, fine. A couple of days in You've Cyprus. always railed against it. And I know. Now you've, now you've caved no, in. You've no, sold listen, out. No, no. I don't want to do it. I'm just saying I can understand why they like it because suddenly we're at Friday already. I don't know whether we can reveal well, that later on you and I will be attending the uh, uh, the, t- the Ashes I, test. I think, I think we, we do need to reveal that actually the uh, the ashes is on a knife edge yes. on day three and so right. we need to go and inspect what's going on we do having uh, of course been there on wednesday when the just up oil right. the lunatics and it invaded turns out the pitch. That, isn't it funny that uh, as you would not be at least surprised to know that the, the just up oil uh, guy who was carried off the pitch by johnny bairstow is in fact uh, the son of a man who owns a house worth six million quid surprise um, surprise so he's a toff so he's a a a, a wealthy toff yeah. interesting whether or not he's ever had a job uh, well, no, he's a student. He's studying some kind of, uh, let's see, Oxford University student Daniel Knorr. Uh, he lives in, uh, has got a £6 million gated mansion as his family home. His 54-year-old father, Robert, is managing partner, you might know him actually, of a <laughs> private equity company called Mid Europa, which handles assets worth £4.5 billion. It's just, well, uh, th- th- there's no surprise at all, because what you don't see with these just-up oil idiots... Mm. 
is actually genuine working class people right. uh, from all over the country who are actually because guess what they're out with they're a actually job. working they're actually working yeah. which you should be doing right. uh, because that is a good thing so no surprise there but in anyway, fact was, he's a neighbour of uh, one Kevin O'Sullivan in Hampstead <laughs> North West London I'm sure Kevin will be uh, less than delighted yeah but, uh, I'm sure he will I mean even though you've just done a three day week I've done a five day week yeah, well and done. it's been full on action packed <laughs> news I mean it's just you sort of need it, doesn't, you need stop, 40, does it, it doesn't stop you need 48 hours to get through it yeah. in 24 hours I mean I literally landed at 3am on Wednesday morning and it ha I haven't stopped since you know I've been filming things recording things doing these shows the stories have been coming thick and fast we've now got another resignation from the government this morning Zach Goldsmith who has left a very very long resignation yeah. letter hasn't he he in really his, has he's wake. left a two page uh, letter of resignation pretty bitter actually yeah. uh, just to remind listeners and viewers he was the Minister for the International Environment mm. and has had a very very strong influence in Boris Johnson's government and indeed in uh, in subsequent Conservative And he's governments. a very good friend of Carrie's isn't he? Big friend of Carrie's allegedly and a huge huge fan of everything net zero related Yes, and he's now saying unbelievably mm. that the Prime Minister is not interested and right. so he's criticising the Prime Minister and the Conservative government government uh, for um, uh, sort of causing a kind of paralysis. I mean, yeah. the reality is exactly the opposite. The reality is that this government is progressing with the madness of net zero, but that's another whole subject. Yeah. So he's gone, he's quit, and, it, and the last few paragraphs really are quite bitter. He says, you, Prime Minister, are simply uninterested, and that signal has trickled down Whitehall and caused a kind of paralysis. Well, we wow. should be welcoming that, shouldn't we? Because um, what we want is a paralysis when it comes to net zero. We don't want net zero. And that's my... But you see, there's a difference between we all care about the environment, we all want cleaner air, but that's different to the madness of net zero, mm. which is getting rid of carbon uh, within a, a specific time frame, regardless of how yeah. much it costs us all. So that's mad. Of right. course, we want to plant more trees and uh, and make sure that we have clean water and clean rivers and all that good stuff. Well, we'll get back Separate, to the we'll water get back in, to that. In, in a minute. Um, but, but, but what about but what about uh, the fact that we learned over the weekend that Rishi Sunak is going to reimpose the £170 green levy, uh, the net zero levy, which was removed by Liz Truss. He's putting it back on. He's also now being urged to remove the other £84 levy, which is still there. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, it's it just another uh, clarification. You cannot trust a single word that this Conservative government says, because last autumn they said they were going to remove it for two years, and now all of a sudden they're reimposing it. Yeah. And they're sort of trying to sneak it through the back door right. without announcing it. Mm. They're just going to sort of bolt it onto the bills. And let's remember, of course, all our bills are still, even though they're coming down this mm. weekend, they're still double what they were yeah. just over two years ago. So don't anybody tell me that they're getting cheaper mm. again. They're not. They're still double what they were two years ago. I and mean, is there anybody bucket. left in politics who actually believes in something, if they say it, that they have to do it? Because it seems to me we're now living through this kind of ludicrous um, sort of revolving door politics where Rishi Sunak will say one thing, like, I'm going to stop the boats. He actually said it. Uh, not only did he say it as part of his uh, five-point plan, but he continued to repeat it in Parliament, continued to say it, uh, we're stopping the boats. At one point, he actually said, I think, in Prime Minister's questions a few weeks ago, we've stopped the boats. Absolutely well, he right. hasn't. <laughs> well, Clearly. And, and here, I, I have to, uh, of course, remind you, Mike, that it's me that did say uh, some months ago that the round policy would not work. Yes, it would come you to did nothing. Say that. And I said, I'm right. 
and you said, no, uh, you were right. And actually, yeah. I've been proven to be right, and well, you've been proven to be wrong. Well, Again, well, I'm really I'm concerned for, about well, this. Yeah, I know that you're concerned about it, and I appreciate it. On your, your behalf. Yeah, thank you very much. But what I would say is that if it was actually to be enacted, it would be successful. So far, it has still not been enacted. Not one person has been sent to But the to whole Rwanda. point of it is to act as a deterrent, and I yes. said it wouldn't be a deterrent, yes. and it hasn't been a deterrent. But it will They're be. still pouring across the channel. But it will be a deterrent once it's en- enacted. And once they start sending people to Rwanda, they'll stop coming, and that's my point. But I don't know whether that will ever happen. Well, I think that's a reasonable so I think effort of wriggling out bit, of your I think you've got a bit early on this, because, you know, it may well <laughs> come to the point where they have actually stopped the boats. I don't see how they can stop them, though. Well, the only way you stop the boats is if you enact uh, our six-point plan. Uh, the key part of it is a variant of what successfully worked in Australia. Yeah. They had a pushback policy. Here we need to use international existing treaties to pick up and safely take the uh, the illegal migrants back to where right. they came from. And not... and. The tragic reality of the importance of this has been highlighted what happened in the Mediterranean when hundreds of people died Mm. uh, last week. And in the Mediterranean, they've got to do the same that we've got to do in the Channel. You pick up and you safely take Mm. back to North Africa. The moment everybody does that and shows courage and leadership and and is robust about this, this vile trade will stop and the deaths will stop. But as long as the judges and the House of Lords... As long as you've got people like Care for Calais, uh, conjoined by uh, the bloody civil service union... Uh, the Public Commercial right. Services Union, actually suing the government over this kind of thing. And the more that you get these lefty lawyers who say everybody should be allowed to come uh, and they should be processed. I actually put it to somebody last night on the talk and they couldn't answer the question. I said, it's all very well saying we must process these people. But I said, look, if you've got a, a law which says you can't send anybody back, what's the point of processing yeah. <laughs> them? Because if you process 9,000 people and 8,000 of them don't qualify, what do you do then? And it's like the absurdity they say, well, we need safe and legal routes. We've already got safe and legal well, routes. Well, 1.2, 1. Million, 2 million, million people came through yeah. a safe and legal visa system. Right. And then they say, oh, no, but it's for asylum seekers. They say, OK, so what happens when someone applies through a safe and legal asylum system route mm. and is declined because yeah. actually they're just an Albanian economic right. migrant? Uh, at which point, guess what? They're going to come here illegally. Yeah. And so you're back to where you started exactly. from. The whole thing is a complete fraud. Yeah. It's a complete fake. Mm. And it needs to stop. And it requires some proper political yeah. courage. And people genuinely on this show yesterday were really angry, as I was, because, you know, we knew, we could see what was going on. We could see that these Court of Appeal judges, albeit that it was a split decision, have no clue what it's like to live in a place like Bournemouth, for example, which has been basically overtaken by a whole load of migrant hotels, same in Peterborough, same in Doncaster, same in, in, in places in, like In uh, ordinary Brighton. towns up and down the country, and I am starting to receive stories from people who live near these hotels, yeah. and there are some absolute horror stories coming yeah. out that I'm trying to verify. I'm deeply concerned. There was a story last night, so story many last night, and I know people will say, oh, you're just cherry-picking stories. Well, I'm not cherry-picking stories. I'm just reporting stories as they come to me. I've got a, a Warrington Guardian story uh, which came in last night of a guy who's been charged with um, a sexual offence, rape of a woman in Warrington. He gave his address as a hotel because he's, a, he's an illegal migrant who's being put up in the local hotel in Warrington. And that was, and that was given as his, as, his, as his home residence. And, and the and truth go, is, Sorry. For, for, for every case that is reported like that, we all know that there are many, many more cases mm. that are not being reported but are happening. That is the sad yeah. reality. Right. And people up and down the country know it, but unfortunately the peers in the House of Lords don't know it, the judges in the Court of Appeal mm. don't know it, or they know it... And they won't accept it. Yes. They're so out of touch. And you read still these news reports in which they describe a man, 38, uh, was arrested last night. Well, let's find out who he was and where he's, where he's from. Let's p- stop pretending 
shall we, uh, that these people are, are not coming here, not all of them, but many of them coming here, committing crimes and not being held accountable. And, but you see, the, the truth is also that these decisions over the last couple of days, in a sense, they sort of help the government because what they're going to do is they're going to waffle with warm words saying we're going to do everything to stop the boats and they'll go into the manifesto with that. Uh, and they'd say, and if we can't do this, then we might leave the European Convention of Human Rights. Right. They've been saying that for the last 10 years. Theresa May said that about 10 years ago. Right. They would never do it this lot. No. But we will. We would actually do it. It'll be in our manifesto. Mm. It's the only way to take back control of our borders. It's got to be done, and it's got to be done soon, because the people of this country are steaming furious. Yeah, they absolutely are. We're still teaming furious here as well. We want to hear from you all, of course. We'll take all of your calls this morning between now and one o'clock. 0344 499 1000. Richard Tice is here. We're going to come back to you with some NHS stories. We're going to talk about Nigel Farage as well. Also, uh, Thames Water. What on earth is going on there? This is Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We mentioned earlier, Mr Tice and I, that there's a, a cricket match going on later on, which we may attend. Uh, Wimbledon have just issued some guidelines, uh, Richard, to their uh, stewards and basically to the players as well uh, and staff, saying that don't do a bearstow uh, if just the world <laughs> suddenly decides to do something uh, at Wimbledon, which I'm not sure is entirely the right attitude to take. They say that responsibility for removing members of the protest group would fall to specially trained response teams, including guards supplied by car Lyle's security group and Knight's group security. So they don't want basically Andy Murray picking one I of think, them up I, I, and dragging I think it'll be all off. hands on deck. I think many, many tennis fans will be straight there yeah. to stop these well, wallies one of the from things, uh, interfering yeah. with one the tennis and damaging the courts. That, there's a lot of military servicemen apparently that, that, that get hired by Wimbledon every year to sort of show people to their seats and all that sort That's of thing. That's right. I think they will just spring into action because it's what they do. Absolutely, right? it's what they do. And I think actually everybody's learned a good lesson from Bearstone, yeah. which is don't stand for this nonsense. Right. Pick up and take out the way. It's take very simple. And maybe actually the police should learn that lesson. Well, Pick they should. and take to the side Absolutely of the pavement. Absolutely right. Um, now, you might not want to encourage this kind of behaviour. We've got a video of something that happened yesterday because it's all just now, it's like a daily occurrence. I mean, I've part of the reason that, uh, that obviously you'll be there before me because I'm going to wait until after one o'clock, but to get over to, to, to Lords. How do I know if there's going to be some slow walking protest going on but this is a video that came into us yesterday of a guy who's obviously sick to death of these wallies uh, and he's just thrown a little milk over them which is particularly good in the hot weather because uh, it stinks to high heaven and you'll smell like some kind of rancid old uh, butter churn uh, by the time you get to five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, obviously, we wouldn't encourage you to do this kind of thing at all. It would be entirely wrong if you were to copy this kind of behaviour. But uh, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid... But you people cannot... are going to get angry. I've said it. People will get angry and get furious if the police don't do the job that they're paid mm -hmm. to do. And these are the consequences. Yes. Um, and it's it's a waste of some delicious good milk, no doubt uh, British milk. Yes. But there we are. That's what happens if uh, if the police don't... Let's hope uh, some of them the are law. vegan as well, because presumably, you know, it'd be like throwing holy water on oh, Dracula. Don't it be some sort it? of dreadful vegan replacement <laughs> liquid. <laughs> exactly right. Now, let's talk about this terrible situation with Nigel Farage, uh, who revealed yesterday on his social media account um, that he's had his bank account closed and that he can't find anybody else to actually allow him to have a bank account. Yes, and this is absolutely factual. I've obviously been liaising with Nigel, yeah. and I know that he has been refused by a number of other banks, right. and that it is it is absolutely shocking. Mm. And the question is why. But, of course, I've had personal experience of this myself because right. about two years ago I got a very similar letter as leader of uh, Reform right. UK from one Metro bank right. who uh, told me that we had to shut our... Uh, shut our bank, um, our account, and move everything away. 
uh, within about 45 mm. days. And I actually did a press conference on this. I was so incensed. Right. I mean, I've been director, I've been involved in companies and dozen, dozens, if not hundreds of bank accounts right. and loans over a 30-year business period. Never once has a bank told me to shut my account mm. uh, and to remove everything within 48, 45 days. So I knew something was wrong. Yes. And Nigel is experiencing it personally and with his And he said effect. it's been going on for a couple of years, this whole kind of this saga. Is, this has been going on. He's felt the... Uh, in a sense, the, 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 the net tightening. Mm. And it's very, very scary. It basically means you can't operate. Right. And this is why, this is the direction of travel. And it's why something like a central bank digital currency type of approach yeah. is so dangerous. Right. This is a sort of social credit system. We're just going to gradually mm. constrain your ability to operate. And it's utterly appalling. Right. And he said in his video that he could see that he might be in that category, which is an EU category, apparently, of politically exposed person, who's somebody who might be considered yes. to be a and risk which, and, uh, of, of a different kind. Is that is that what he And that's a real thing, happened? because I'm a politically exposed person. Mm. It means the banks have to tick all sorts of extra boxes right. in order to open and maintain an account. And it's really... I actually wrote to the Governor of Bank of England and said, this is wrong, we need to have a right. bank account of last resort. Yes. He acknowledged the, uh, the email, uh, but then I never heard from him again. Two years later, Andrew, I'm still waiting. Okay. love to hear from you. OK. And what about Chris Bryant's role in all of this? Because he's been named by Nigel again as a guy who, in Parliament, using privilege, suggested or alleged that Nigel Farage was in receipt of money from Russia, um, which is an outrageous thing to allege. It was an outrageous allegation. Uh, which, in, outside of, of Parliament, would be a libel, would be you know, and, subject and, to, to lawsuits. And Nigel asked him to make the same allegation yeah. outside Parliament so that he could sue him because it was completely false, mm. completely outrageous. Yeah. And, of course, Bryant uh, had no evidence, mm. wasn't able to back it up, and so didn't repeat it outside Parliament. Right. That may well have had a uh, some form of... Uh, influence. Yeah, uh, I remember when I was called a money launderer. I know that uh, the bank I used right. it went all the way up to the main board. Is right. Tyson money launderer? Right. Of course it was. I sued the uh, uh, the member of um, the uh, the MS the SNP right. guy and won and got a donation to a charity because it was completely yeah. outrageous and yeah. it was libelous and he made it outside a, uh, a parliamentary right. chamber. Interesting. So what's the latest uh, from from the Farage so, situation? Not, Nigel, he is looking for a new bank account, yeah. and at the moment. Uh, as he said yesterday in his video, which has now been viewed 19 million times yeah, in 24 hours, uh, at the moment uh, he is uh, struggling to find a new account. It yeah. is absolutely appalling. It really is. It's dreadful, isn't it? Maybe you just have to start a new bank up. Well, there we are. There's you a know, thought. That could go. be the way to a new fortune. You know, it could be you know, the, the biggest crowd funder ever. But you just start your own bank. But the reason is you couldn't do that. Because, of course, the, the establishment, the Financial Conduct Authority, they wouldn't give you approval right. because they don't want this to happen. They don't want people of our political leaning and thinking Shocking, isn't it? to succeed and to be able to have a voice. They actually want to shut us down. This is what this is all about, right? It is about the shutting down of a particular side of the political spectrum, yeah. the political debate. Well, it's a bit like, um, I've got a, a note here actually from Paul in St. Neos, because I watched Question Time last night, and he says, like I do, what a shambles last night. Four of the five panellists wanted to let the world and his wife onto our little island, as did members of the audience who spoke. Fiona Bruce told us the audience was handpicked for their differing views. I mean, she claimed that this was a conservative um, uh, area that she was broadcasting from, and she asked everybody uh, who uh, to put their hands up if they supported the Rwanda plan. Nobody did. Of course they didn't, right? because that they would have been petrified, that they would have been booed by others for being yeah. heartless and for being yeah. sort of racist bigots because mm. that's the sort of the narrative that comes right. down. So, of course, no one put their hands up. No surprise there. Right. You'd have had to be a very brave person to have put your head up. And the, the Labour candidate or the Labour person who was on there said, these people are being put in hotels that are not fit for rats. 
To which I thought to myself, well, if I was Fiona Bruce, I'd say, sorry, can you name the hotels that these people are in which are not fit for rats? Because as far as I can see, uh, certainly from your experience in Pimlico, they're in three to four star hotels. Uh, they're complaining that they're not uh, wanting to share it's, rooms with more than one other person. They're not in bad it's, hotels. It's absolute garbage. Yeah. And then as for this issue about uh, you know what goes on in Rwanda. So last Tuesday was World Refugee Day and... The uh, Rwanda has some 130,000 refugees from neighbouring countries, the likes of uh, the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. And the United Nations' own representative in Rwanda was praising Rwanda's success in educating, employing and helping the thriving 130,000 yeah. refugees there. So maybe actually the, uh, the judges in the Court of Appeal and the peers in the House of Lords maybe listen to the UN's own representative yeah. in Rwanda who right. tells it as it is, on the ground there. Yes. And people keep saying, oh, well, the, the judges have only done what they can within the laws of the UK. Not true, because what they've done is they've decided unilaterally that basically Rwanda is not a safe country to send people to, despite the fact that the UNHCR has already given it their blessing. Exactly. And that's the scandal. And so that's not anything to do with British so, law. So, well, that's their view that they've taken on Rwanda. And, and so they've, they've fallen for the, the sort of the mainstream media's hype here in the UK about Rwanda without actually listening and looking and going there and seeing and experiencing what's going on on the ground. Mm. And for the UN to praise what's going on on the ground and for this lot of lefty liberals here in the UK. I mean, frankly, if I was the, the, the boss of Rwanda... I would be absolutely steaming mad. I'd right. be suing them for libel. It's yeah. an utter disgrace. And you might even be pulling your sponsorship of the Arsenal football team. Um, <laughs> visit Rwanda, it says on the Arsenal shirts. Yeah. But apparently the, the courts in this country think you shouldn't visit Rwanda because it's not a very nice the place. The hypocrisy of it absolutely stinks. Yeah. And it's just, it's outrageous. Uh, the, but I come back to the key, key point. The only deterrent is when you stop the business model by picking up and take back. Until then... Nothing else will work. All that we know is the vested interests on this side of the channel mm. are making so much money, huge profits, including, of course, the lawyers. Yes. And there are many lawyers uh, in the House of Lords and barristers and the whole legal system. They love all this stuff. They make they huge sums of money yeah. at our taxpayers' yeah. expense. Of course they do. Absolutely love it. We're really running out of time. We're running late and I'm going to get in trouble for asking you an extra question. But I've got to ask you about Thames Water because you've been leading the way uh, on the problem. I, have, the water I started companies. banging on about yeah, the water companies long time. 18 months ago when I started broadcasting yeah. about the, uh, the, the, the abuse that's gone on, the huge dividends uh, up front and the foreign the ownership through the... Uh, through the uh, interest on shareholder loans, yeah. over seventy percent of our water companies across the whole of the uh, whole of England are overseas owned. Massive dividends, appalling customer services, debts have soared. Uh, many of these companies are, are on the brink, and I'm saying actually uh, the shareholders should be wiped out. Uh, the debt should be bought at a discount, uh, sort of pence in the pound, because uh, they'll be trading out of that. And this has got to stop, yeah. and that's why my solution, which is a fifty-fifty public ownership. 50% uh, with British pension funds. That is the right long-term solution for this country, for our water companies. Yeah, it's got to be done. Uh, I assume you'll be talking about that on uh, Sunday. I will, be, I will indeed be regaling at length on Sunday about that and much, much more. Excellent stuff. Richard Tice, uh, a man worth listening to at all times. He's not always right, uh, but he's right quite a lot of the time. Uh, we'll be seeing him later on as well. And if anybody from Just Up Oil wants to pop by, uh, we'll give him a nicer lunch. I think you know what I'm talking about. This is Talk TV. Talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. We've got plenty to do. We've got loads of time to do it in as well. Kevin O'Sullivan joining us at 11 o'clock with a look at the sort of culture wars going on, uh, not only uh, with ITV and their ludicrous interview uh, with a so-called Thames Water customer who turned out to be not only a trans woman, but also uh, a Labour Party activist, a trade union activist of some kind or other. So they really didn't have to look very hard uh, to get that person on. But also the misrepresentation of the public in this world is absolutely unbelievable. Blue Peter also in the firing line uh, going on uh, at this moment as well. We'll also be talking about the NHS uh, because there's a big announcement coming from Rishi Sunak this morning. Trailed pretty heavily in both the Times and the Telegraph this morning uh, in which it's being described as the biggest reform of the NHS for decades, right? But is it really going to work? Are they really going to pump more money into it in order to make room for more nurses, for more doctors, for more care workers? Are they really going to make that happen? Or is it just another kind of, you know, wish list item for Rishi Sunak to pretend that he's doing something. Um, John in Sutton says, Mike, why are the Home Office outbidding local councils for houses to give to asylum seekers? We desperately need those homes. It is a scandal. Um, and Mike in Whitney says, Mike, you guys are saying what we all think. How about this? Get agreement from Macron for our forces to patrol the beaches and waters along the French coast, tow the boats back, puncture them, remove and confiscate the outboard motors. Uh, the job is a good one. Any legal challenges, deal with them at our leisure. Got to be the cheapest possible option. Well, I've said this many, many times. I mean, bizarrely, all of the suggestions that I have made and that you guys have made to me on this very show have now actually been taken on as possible uh, solutions, including the use of cruise ships, including the use of these barges that they're going to be putting down in Portland Bill, including uh, the puncturing of actual uh, vessels themselves. Because surely to God, if you had a small force of men, whether they be SAS or SBS or whatever you want to call them, uh, a small group of sort of para um, paratroopers, paramilitary people, just literally puncturing these dinghies as they are about to go into the water. You're not putting anybody in danger. They're not in the water drowning. They're not actually uh, on water at all. They're on the beach. They've got the, the dinghy. They're about to launch it. Uh, you either, you know, put a bullet into the uh, outboard motor uh, or you completely disable the, sh the, the, the dinghy itself by putting a big, a great big knife into it. And then they wouldn't be able to come at all. And that, surely that would fix the problem, wouldn't it? Makes perfect sense to me. Let's talk to Gavin Mortimer uh, from The Spectator, who is, of course, our man in France, because before we get to the subject of the thorny subject uh, of the uh, the people coming here illegally, uh, let's talk about the violence which is currently going on in Paris. There have been riots for the last few nights based around uh, the shooting, uh, uh, the killing of a young man in Paris. Uh, there's been all sorts of um, terrible things going on. Rioters have been using angle grinders to break into banks. They've been setting fire to cars. You know, the place is absolutely on fire uh, and at tipping point and Emmanuel Macron uh, is also getting it in the neck because he went to the Elton John concert uh, as riots erupted over the fatal police shooting and he hasn't really made uh, a good account of himself. Gavin, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. How is it there? Is it, uh, is, 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 are the streets on fire? Are the people revolting? I mean, what's going on? Well, I imagine for the moment the rioters are in bed after a hard night's work, but they'll be back out on the streets tonight for the fourth night. The violence is increasing in ferocity uh, each evening. Last night, there were 250 police officers uh, injured, uh, 670 arrests, God knows how much um, damage in financially. And uh, yeah, it seems to be spreading. And of course, Mike, this couldn't have come at a worse time for the authorities because the school holidays begin today. Apparently, reports in the French papers today saying most of the rioters are aged between 15 and 18. 
So they're going to have time on their hands in the next two months. Um, they're quite well organised. Uh, the police have been surprised at how well organised they've been, but of course they're using, using social media platforms. So this is a real problem, and um, it hasn't been handled well by the um, by uh, President Macron or his Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne. And really, France is pretty anxious where this is going to end up. Yeah, because I mean, you know, we're used to seeing Paris on fire in the in the summer. It's a sort of a, uh, it's almost a hardy annual event. But this seems to be a bit more troubling for the authorities than the normal kind of rioting. It's not just the glo- the anti globalists. It's not just the kind of balaclava brigade. The woman, uh, the mother of the of the dead kid, uh, was out yesterday as well, um, kind of you know commemorating his death. Um, she looks a very very um, you know decent ordinary you know French woman, a mother. Um, and so the people of Paris, presumably, are on her side. Well, some of them are. Um, I mean, it's really shown the divisions in France uh, between the left and the right. That The right, that's Marine Le Pen's National Rally Party, the centre-right Republican to, I suppose, the equivalent of the Conservative Party. They are, well, obviously not condoning what happened on Tuesday, which is that the police officer has been charged, I think, with voluntary manslaughter. Um, and nonetheless, they say that the police have been under attack really for years, for, whether it's from Islamists, anarchists, um, yellow vests, uh, radical environmentalists. They're under huge pressure. Last year, 46 police officers took their own lives. Um, and the left, or the far left at least, um, really don't like the police. They never have. They think they're heavy handed, particularly right. against people of ethnic minorities. So this is really, it's always been sort of a very... A tense situation and, and, and the death of this 17 year old has just ignited this this anger and, and revealed the depth of the divisions within France and, and Macron as you said in the introduction Mike I mean what on earth he thought he was doing going to an Elton John concert mm-hmm. on Wednesday evening when his country is burning I do not know he cut short this morning a uh, a trip to Brussels for a European summit perhaps an indication of of how grave the situation is but really, this is a, going to be a, a huge test of his leadership. I wrote in the spectator yesterday that I think probably this is the gravest challenge that he's faced in six years of tumultuous presidency. And mm. uh, is he up to it? We'll wait and see. Well, I mean, he's not the most popular man anymore in France, is he? And I mean, the problem for him, I suppose, uh, is that it's a very Marie Antoinette moment for him, isn't it? Mm. Let them eat cake, even though I know she didn't actually say that for the pedants out there before they start correcting me. You know, um, you know, there he is enjoying himself. We're seeing it now on the screen, uh, watching all sorts of fireworks and, um, and light shows going off. Um, and it's not a great look, is it? No, it's not. And I make the point in the spectator today that I like and compare it to Zelensky of Ukraine, who just he has that, that touch. He knows how to talk to his people, how to present himself as a leader. Macron never has. Hmm. He's got no idea how to communicate apart from to people like him, so yeah. sort of millennial um, uh, techies. Yes. And uh, the, the working class are just a complete mystery to him. And so that's why... He's so hated on both sides, the left and the right, in the, in the inner cities. Uh, his government, his ministers aren't really uh, any more popular. And so this is, I think, why it's such a volatile situation and why he's got to be very careful. He, he described uh, the, uh, the shooting as uh, inexplicable, which angered the right, who said, well, you know, aren't you prejudging it? It's, let's see what happens when he, uh, the, the officer is... Um, in court, and uh, so he just—he seems incapable of, of finding the, the the right 
behaviour, the right rhetoric for any situation. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, that's the problem in this country as well, that almost all politicians now uh, inside of the House of Commons, regardless of what party they're in, have no clue what ordinary people think. You know, we had this show yesterday. People were incandescent with rage uh, at the Rwanda decision, at the fact that the uh, the Court of Appeal could just simply, you know, railroad their own version of what they think is the way to go forward because they don't believe in uh, sending people abroad because they're worried that they might somehow end up back in the countries from whence they came. Well, I'm sorry, but that's the way it goes. If you illegally break into a country uh, and if you find that you're no longer able to stay in that country, you get sent back from where you came. You know, the idea that these people think that that's a normal for, you know, reaction is just ridiculous. It's just unbelievable. And, and, our, and, our, and our listeners and viewers were absolutely incandescent. You know, meanwhile, you go and look at news, uh, question time on the BBC and everybody in their audience thought it was a bad idea to send people to Rwanda. It's, if you look at, going back to Zelensky, Mike, He's, he's not a professional politician. He was an actor, uh, a comedian. He came into politics, I think, in 2018. And I think the, the great weakness about the political class in the West today is that they all come from the same middle class managerial background. They're all graduates from some university. And very few of them, I mean, Lee Anderson's an obvious example, have actually ever lived in the real world among real people. And so they're completely out of touch. And this, this particularly in Britain, um, applies to uh, not just to politicians, but to the uh, much of a media class, the uh, uh, the judiciary, and uh, it's 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 why I think Britain is in such a mess and France is in such a mess because the political class, the ruling elite, are utterly out of touch with the majority of the people. Absolutely right. And what about uh, the situation with France and the uh, the migrants right now? Because obviously people were asking the question yesterday, what about all this money we've given to France, hundreds of millions of pounds? Uh, what are they doing with it? What are they doing about uh, stopping the boats from actually leaving France? My, my answer, I suspect, is not very much. Well, no, 40,000 police officers were on duty last night, Mike across the country. I imagine that will be increased today. So um, going to, I'm sure there's going to be a decrease in the number of police patrolling the Canal Coast down south in the Italian border. Um, the number of migrants who have entered it, uh, Italy in the first uh, five and a half months of this year, I think up to about the middle of June, 61,000. That's up 35,000 on last year. Uh, that's and now we're actually entering the posting season, the summer. So I reckon we're looking at uh, around about 150, 200,000 coming across this year. Last year it was 100,000. Now, if, imagine if you're um, a migrant arriving in Italy, Mike. What are you going to do? You're going to stay in Italy, where the government's introduced harsh new regulations this year. You're going to go to France, where it's anarchy, or you're going to head to England, where you get put up in a four-star hotel. Yeah, I mean, it's not much of a uh, much of a choice, really, is it? I mean, you know exactly where you absolutely you're going to go. Uh, Gavin, thanks very much indeed. Good to talk to you. Gavin Morsman from The Spectator there giving us the lowdown on what's been going on uh, in Paris, where the streets are once again in flames. You would not be surprised to know. Uh, got this tweet here. Mike, it's the French that need to be brought to book over this. It needs to be in the United Nations. They're supporting and allowing organised crime to function on their shores without any attempt to stop it. If they allowed us to return all boats for a month, these desperate migrants would stop parting with their money. Job done people traffickers route to money would be over um, and one from david says watch out if you think the rights are isolated to france i think if they don't get this immigration issue sorted it's only a matter of time before we see them 
here. Uh, and same from Tony and Baron Furness. Mike, our streets will end up like France in a few years uh, if we're not careful. Well, I think we have to be absolutely and utterly um, vigilant about all of that. Nobody wants to see riots. Nobody wants to see violence. But people are getting sick to the back teeth of this government that doesn't listen, that doesn't do what it said it would do, and that doesn't actually carry out the manifesto that it was elected on. And that, my friends, is a problem. This is Talk TV. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On your mobile, on your wavelength, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. You know what to do. This is the place for the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And we are going to be exploring all of that uh, in this coming hour. Kevin O'Sullivan is going to join us. Uh, he and I have got a little surprise for you coming next week. We're going to be talking about that uh, and also showing you a little preview of what it's likely to be. We're also going to be looking into what's going on uh, on what they used to call mainstream television. ITV uh, are getting absolutely lambasted uh, for putting an advert, not an advert really, uh, but a news story about Thames Water and illustrating it with a rather unusual guest. We'll get to that. Also, Blue Peter. Remember Blue Peter, the children's show where he used to be um, able to send in, you know, stories about your pets and maybe send some pictures in of your of your little projects that you made. Oh, I made a lighthouse out of papier-mâché. I took a fairy liquid bottle and I painted the, 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 the thing around it and I put a boat there and it was really lovely and I got a Blue Peter badge uh, for it as well. Well, forget about all that. That's completely changed as well. Uh, we'll also be talking about a great many other things, including the NHS announcement coming up later on today uh, with um, Rishi Sunak, who apparently is going to rescue the NHS by throwing more money at it. That's right, 2.4 billion quid uh, to hire another 200,000 people to sit around uh, doing absolutely nothing, so that you won't be able to see a doctor now, but if you want to see one in 2037, uh, you might be able to have a chance at that. 0344 499 1000, Terry in Ramsbottom says, defund the BBC, stop watching live TV and BBC iPlayer and cancel your television license. Send in the SAS uh, to sort out these people traffickers, uh, says somebody uh, without a name. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss they are. Reform UK is the only alternative to sort this rubbish out. Absolutely right. So much going on, uh, but we're going to be getting to all of it. Let's say a very good morning uh, to Kevin O'Sullivan of this parish. Kevin, how are you doing? 
Hello, Mike. Yeah, good. Now, Thanks. listen, I don't want to keep you because I understand you're rushing off to a cricket match uh, later on, uh, which I should be joining you at once I've finished here as well. Uh, I'm hoping for some Just Stop Oil action so we can maybe rugby tackle them uh, as they try to enter the uh, the rich seats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it happens today, you and me are going to be the new Johnny Bairstow. We'll get on the pitch and we'll carry <laughs> can, can them. Can you believe the idiots that, off? Yeah, can you believe, and I don't know whether you heard me saying this earlier, that Wimbledon have apparently issued guidelines to their uh, staff and to their players who are going to be playing tennis at Wimbledon not to tackle them in the way that Johnny Bairstow did. They've actually said, don't do a Bairstow, which is entirely the wrong attitude, isn't it? Yeah, and it sort of betrays what most organisations seem to really think about Just Stop Oil, and that is that they like them and they want them to do these demonstrations because, you know, climate change is really, really important. Oh, yeah. uh, there are two worlds. There's the kind of elite that can afford this sort of nonsense, these kind of pointless, empty, virtue-signalling protests. And then there's the rest of us mm. who need to get on with our lives, need to get to work, need to get our kids to hospital, to school, etc. Uh, and we haven't got time for these middle-class, privileged idiots called Tarquin mm. blocking our way. No. Well, isn't it unusual to discover this morning? In fact, he's one of yours, uh, this guy, the kid who ran onto the pitch at Lords. Turns out he lives with his dad in Hampstead, right, in a very plush £6 million mansion. I mean, that's even more worth more than your place. It is. I could probably see it across on the posh seats across the road, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but it's typical, isn't it? They're all called Phoebe and Tarquin. Uh, they've all got parents who are, like, massive in the city, worth millions of pounds. Yeah, this guy, like, runs a hedge fund or something, yeah? Yeah, as I said before uh, to you, Mark, I think, you know, in the past, uh, the females among these uh, pink-haired protesters would have been debutantes. Mm. They'd have been going to balls and meeting the Queen. Uh, now, their rite of passage for posh kids is to be just stop oil protesters. And the rest of us, it's a pathetic piece of class virtue signalling. And we haven't got time for it. We're in the real world. Get out. Yeah, Go absolutely away. right. Now, talking about virtue signalling, I mean, I never thought it would come to this, but but we are now actually going to play a clip from ITV News, right? Now, this was uh, the night before last, I believe, uh, where they were covering, as we did here at Talk TV, uh, the problems with Thames Water. Somebody at ITV News decided, I know, let's go and talk to a busy mother and find out what she does to deal with her problems with the water supply. Have a look. The idea that we're going to have even greater water bills, soaring bills, a time of uh, prices already being hiked, you know, we have to pay a lot for food. That's tough if you're a mum like me already struggling to get the things that my kid needs. Yeah, a mum like me. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, it turns out that not only is the mum like me not actually a mum like many people, uh, but uh, he's a bloke and he's also apparently an activist for a trade union and the Labour Party. Uh, well, I think you might uh, be misgendering. Uh, oh, sorry. Mika, sorry. Mika Minio Palello, uh, who was seen <laughs> doing the washing up. Trans man, uh, a trans woman. No, trans sorry. woman. Don't get it wrong trans now. Woman. Oh, my God. I'm in For trouble now. Sake. I'm in trouble now. Uh, yeah, trans woman uh, doing the washing up. Transit about, van. Oh, Oh, uh, uh, oh! Well, what a tough thing it is for a mum like me in the cost of living crisis. This is all about bad government, etc., etc. Turns out uh, that uh, Mini that Mika uh, is a former employee of Jeremy Corbyn. Used to work for the Labour Party as their climate change uh, executive, right. and now uh, and now works for the TUC as their. <laughs> 
a representative on climate change. I mean, I wonder no, how they we... possibly managed. How long did it take for ITV's uh, newshounds to track this character down? This, this is actually this is news manipulation. This is actually shocking. I mean, first of all, uh, uh, Thames Water, I'm one of their customers, has got the biggest number of customers in all of Britain in terms of water companies. Millions and millions and millions of people. It's the biggest water company in Britain. Uh, and the, the only mum that ITV could find was a trans woman uh, who works for the TUC and used to work for the Labour Party. Uh, ITV should have a word with themselves. This is propaganda. This is news manipulation. Yes. It is wrong. Surely, is yeah. Wrong. Surely, I mean, even even if you were not going to be investigated by Ofcom as a result of this, uh, surely ITV itself should be asking questions of its news division, saying, what on earth are you doing? How did this happen? You know, this is clearly not a random interview. This is something that was set up, something that was planned, something that was yeah. uh, absolutely uh, rigged in order to give the trans community some kind of a, a leg up. I don't understand it. Well, yeah, I mean, they clearly, I mean, not saying who uh, Mika actually was, i.e. the official climate change uh, employee of the TUC, former climate change employee of Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party, a close associate of Jeremy Corbyn. They don't say that. Right. They put Mika forward as busy a, a and other busy mum yeah. having a nightmare, paying these high prices which have been caused by the evil Tory government. This is just propaganda. Mm. This is the sort of nonsense that happens in places like North Korea, yeah. uh, uh, Myanmar. You know, this has got to stop. It really does. It's a very, very bad example to set to anybody young who wants to get into the news business. Let's face it. But how about this, though? Uh, it's not just ITV. We've got one from the BBC. Here we have uh, a clip from Blue Peter, which I remember as the show that used to have Shep the dog on it. Um, people sort of doing, you know, climbing up, um, you know, chimneys, people who were sort of getting uh, their favourite, um, you know, toy and turning it into some kind of, you know, um, beautiful structure, you know, taking flowers and pressing them and sending them in, getting a Blue Peter badge for being a Boy Scout. Now it seems to have turned into something completely different. Have a look. June is Pride Month, where we celebrate and support all those in the LGBTQ plus community. What better way to celebrate than by saying loud and feeling proud? Here's what happened when I was challenged to perform with the Rainbow Voices Community Choir. I'm here at the Pink Picnic, Greater Manchester's Pride Celebration, where I've been challenged to sing in front of thousands of music lovers. And I'm going to even attempt a solo. What's happened to Blue Peter, for God's sake? You know, what are you going to get a Blue Peter badge for, exactly? Is yeah. there an LGBTQ plus badge that you can get now from, from Blue Peter? Well, the BBC has always used its children's television department to kind of mould the citizens of the future. Uh, in the past, it used to try to mould good citizens, you know, went out and got a job and uh, put a roof over their kid's head and all that. Now, it seems to want to create these new woke left-leaning liberal people that come from North London. You know, that that's what's going on here. Uh, and the problem with this is, you know, it, it is it's promoting uh, information that is dubious. So it's, you know, in this programme, it, it told the kids who are watching uh, that if you're gay, you were born that way. Well, maybe you were, maybe you weren't. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but you don't get a Blue Peter badge for it, do you? Yeah, but it's 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 teaching kids stuff 
that is not a fact. Yeah. It's teaching kids that it's stuff that is a theory, a fashionable yeah. theory. This is what's going on at our schools. This is an extension of, you know, kids, teachers standing up in state schools and saying, well, children, of course, you know, there are 77 different genders. Well, actually, we don't. Don't tell kids stuff that isn't true. Yeah. Don't tell kids stuff that happens to adhere to your own political outlook. Mm. Give them facts and let them make their own mind up. So Blue Peter is just stepping into this increasingly sinister situation where adults, the current uh, uh, generation of adults, have decided to brainwash yeah. children, becoming little versions of them. And when you see a woke grow, a woke of about 20 years old or a, a woman of 20 years old, maybe at Blue Peter say, yeah, is this a woke person? Yeah, I've got one here I made earlier. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it. That's I basically mean, presumably, it. Presumably, yeah, yeah sticky back plastic. I got, yeah, that's, uh, I got one here plastic, I made earlier. Uh, some fairy liquid <laughs> bottles. And oh, look, there's a woke person. I mean, I wonder whether they're going to have to change the name of it because Peter, obviously, one would think, is a gender-specific <laughs> name. Surely yeah. it'll have to be something like, you know, I don't know, what come up with Carol or something like that. Blue Carol. I'll tell, I'll tell you what it won't be, Mike. It won't be Black Peter. That, that <laughs> one, I'll tell you. Now, uh, <laughs> I've got a, a great little video to show you before we talk about our new project together. Yep. Um, Joe Biden, who we heard earlier this week referring to Ukraine as Iraq because uh, he thought that Putin was uh, losing the war in Iraq, even though he's not having a war in Iraq. Have a look at this. Uh, he gave an interview to MSNBC um, this week as well. Um, but he does something a bit weird. Have a look at this. Well, and, and the ones that didn't vote for your bills, but run on them. That's, That's right. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. It's great it. to have you. It's thank great you. to have thank you. you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting day around here. Um, we'll have reaction. And <laughs> He's like your old granddad, isn't he? Who gets up halfway through your story. Um, you've got to go to the toilet. Uh, we have another, just, have, just have another look at this. Because you can see him fidgeting before she stops talking, right? Well, when you watch you're on it. Telly, you Joe. You're on telly, Joe. That's right. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. I appreciate it's great it. to have you. It's thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting day around here. Um, we'll have reaction. <laughs> He just walks behind them. He's like, don't go anywhere. Joe, just sit down. They'll come off you on camera. And then when you're off camera, then you can go. Yeah, let's get, leave it 20 seconds and everything will be fine. Did you also hear him chortling <laughs> away in the back? He's going, oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh. what's funny? And presumably, I mean, presumably he'll also get off to the to stage left, right? And he'll realise he's in the wrong place. He probably walks back across the stage, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, and then with his hand yeah, out, looking, looking for someone to shake it. But, uh, yeah, this guy, he's a real concern. I mean, he is insisting on standing again. Now, you think Joe Biden is going to stand to be the next president. I can't think of anyone else who would be worse at being president than Joe Biden. Well, actually, Mike, I can. And uh, she's a candidate. So 25% of Democrats have voted that they would like the next candidate for the president of the United States, the next Democratic candidate for the president of the United States to be, drumroll, Meghan Markle. Oh, you must be so, joking. So, so, there, so there is one person that I'd uh, like to be president less than Joe Biden. It's Meghan Markle. Well, four more years of Trump to come then, I suspect. Yeah, he's yeah. Gonna, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. even more reason to win. Um, now, we've got a big announcement to make. Um, but before we do, have a look at this. The other story I want to talk to you about is Prince Harry. Uh. I mean, he really is acting like a spoiled brat, isn't he? He's like, I want some protection. I want protection from Prince Harry. 
And I'll tell you what this case is really about, Mike. It's his pathetic pursuit of status. Yes. You're no longer a, really a proper royal. No. You're, you're just a A.N. other Hollywood celebrity. Yeah. So tough luck, buster. And now that is a thing of beauty. Weekdays, 9.30 to 10, uh, half an hour before this show starts, yeah. Independent Republic of Mike Graham. So I don't know when you're going out on the lash uh, on Sunday night. Uh, you're going to have to curtail that particular habit of yours and uh, turn up nice and early, <laughs> nice and early to go through the papers before I get in. <laughs> well, I'll have to curtail it every night because we're going to do it every morning. Exactly uh, right. But, uh, yeah, I just want to get you in the mood for your show, you know, so I'll wind you right up. So yeah, good. Come, come 10 a.m. So well, I'll join you at 9.30. We'll have a right old uh, uh, chin wag. Yes. Set the world to rights. Have a few laughs. Shout. Be angry about stuff. And you'll be in the mood for a brilliant <laughs> show every day at 10 a.m. Yeah, looking that? forward to it. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, Mikey Kev, 9.30 Monday and every single day from that point on, uh, uh, sort of late breakfast, if you like, uh, for those of you who don't wake up early enough to get Julie Hartley Brewer, who's on, of course, still uh, from 6.30. Kev, I'll see you later on. Um, hold the foie gras for me. Uh, and make sure that if you do manage to see anybody from Just Stop All, just hold them for me and I'll, and I'll deal with them when I get there. Yeah, I'll keep I'll keep him under my arm and wait for you. All right. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Kevin O'Sullivan back, of course, at the weekend. He's on tonight with what just happened. He's got two big shows Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'm going to see him later on the cricket. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, we'll do it next right here on Talk TV. Nationwide by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Hugh Andre is here. We're going to be launching uh, a Veterans Voice very shortly. It's going to be a regular feature here every Friday. Uh, we're going to help veterans uh, to help themselves and we're going to do it as best we can. Uh, we begin here. Uh, but before that, it's time for this. The World of Woke. Now, funnily enough, the world of woke today uh, has a bit of a connection to the armed forces because there are many things that have happened uh, over the course of the last few days uh, which have been a bit disturbing vis-a-vis uh, -vis the, the forces that we know and love. Today, I'm going to be telling you about Air Chief Marshal Sir Richard Knighton, uh, who's Chief of the Air Staff. Uh, he says morale in the RAF uh, has been affected by something that they decided to do, uh, which it turns out was a pretty bad idea and a pretty stupid idea. And it was, of course, the fact that they were forced to apologise recently after an internal inquiry in the RAF, that's the Royal Air Force, found that 31 white males were discriminated against in favour of women and ethnic minority candidates over a two-year period. Uh, Knighton said a report commissioned by the Ministry of Defence made uncomfortable reading, not least because uh, they're going to have to pay each one of those 31 white males £5,000 in compensation because they were discriminated against for being white men. I mean, it beggars belief this. It's hard to believe that somebody would come up with such an idea and think that it was a brilliant one. The report detailed how recruitment officers were set unrealistic targets to increase the number of women and ethnic minority candidates on training schemes. In total, 161 aviators were accelerated onto initial training on the basis of their ethnicity or sex in 2020 and 2021. All I can say is, go woke go broke and that refers as well to the RAF as it does to anybody else so wake up you aviators pilots navigators whatever you want to call yourselves get on with it remember it's the Royal Air Force it's the armed forces do your job don't worry about who you are or what your pronoun is that's the world of woke the world of woke 
Which brings us rather nicely to our now uh, regular section on a Friday, uh, which we're going to call The Veteran's Voice. It's the first dedicated programme to discuss the issues that are relevant to veterans and their families. We're going to highlight issues uh, with your help, of course, uh, problems that are challenges that are faced by people coming out of the armed forces as they're transitioning to civilian life. And we're going to support them and their families as much as we possibly can. So if you are uh, someone who has served as a, uh, a member of the military in any way, shape or form, or you have someone close to you who has done that, feel free to get in touch with us here at Talk TV uh, on my Twitter, on Talk TV's Twitter as well. Uh, we'll also give you some other places where you can go throughout the course of this particular uh, programme that we're going to be running. Hugh Andre is here. Uh, he runs Force Select. We're going to be introducing you to him. You may know him from previous appearances here. Um, but this is time for us to take stock of what people have done for this country and why some of those people are not being looked after quite as well as we believe they ought to be. It's going to be called A Veteran's Voice. The Veteran's Voice. And I'm delighted to say Hugh Andre is here with us. Hugh, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. We had a little prelim of it last week, but this is sort of the official kickoff for yep. the whole thing. We're basically hoping to Tell news stories, tell personal stories, speak to people who are in, in the armed forces, people who are involved in different things. You're involved with Force Select, mm, which helps mm. recruit people from the armed forces into sort of civilian life. Um, give us a kind of overview of what, what you want to achieve here. Absolutely. Well, firstly, thank you for you know, giving veterans the opportunity and their families. And mm. we must never, ever forget their families who put up with a hell of a lot yeah. when they watch their loved ones go away on tours and what have yeah. you. Um, there are 4.1 million veterans, spouses, wives, partners, kids. It's a big community yeah. in the UK. Um, and I just don't feel that they've ever really had a platform. They haven't had a voice. Um, and, you know, come Armed Forces Week, the political parties are great at getting out, hanging out, yeah. and bunting, right. rah, rah, and it's all gone. Yes. Um, I'd quite like to see the Royal Tournament. Um, come yes. back actually yeah I remember the Royal Tournament I'd love to hear from to viewers who else would like yeah. to see the Royal Tournament still, back I mean I think I'm right in saying they certainly did it when I was still in Edinburgh the, the military tattoo still happened at Edinburgh Castle I think and that's still a very popular event absolutely I mean the, yeah my, my yearly visit to London with my late mother to see the Royal Tournament I remember one of, going to one of the highlights of, of yeah. my year I remember watching them they would take the, the cannon the from runs, one end yeah, the gun absolutely. runs brilliant stuff very yep, entertaining yep. actually um yeah, and so what we're here to do, we're here really to change the narrative. Mm. That's something which is really important yeah. to me. Um, you know, as you said, I've been involved helping veterans and military service leavers find employment yeah. for the past 13 years. Right. And all too often there's this predictable sort of view um, that, you know, we're, we're broken, we're, yes. we're mentally ill, right. we, we can't do anything without being told what to do. Right etc etc and i think that narrative needs to change you know mm. we're not all victims right um the military or not victims at all um, really and you know with respect some people suffer as they do in some do. Of life, we right? sign that contract of yeah. unlimited liability yeah. no one else in this country signs that contract right. where you go do you know what actually i'm prepared to die if yes. i have to yes. so if an individual's prepared to sign that contract i think we have a duty of care mm. To look after them, yeah, um, which is why I sort of bang my drum, and I know you're really yes. a, a huge advocate too. Very much too. so. Very much so. so. We're going to be covering things like employment, training, yeah. housing, accommodation. Look at some of the charitable right. work going on, right? And you know, as as well as some of the sort of perhaps not such 
great news. We're going to have some good news yeah. as well. Okay. And we're going to travel around the country and see what different And we're going to talk to different doing. people. Let's kick things Absolutely. off this week with some of the news stories that have been around. You heard my RAF story there, which is obviously not one perhaps that you would want to uh, uh, to see every week. Um, right. But how about some other breaking news? Sir Patrick Sanders, the general uh, head of the sort of uh, the army, if you like, yeah, uh, has, he, has, he, has said that he's not that happy with the way no, things are. No, he's not alone. Um, last week, General Tim Radford, who's the most senior British commander mm. in NATO, basically said as an as an armed force we're being left behind. Mm. Um, that then continued. Lord Nick Horton, used was CGS from 2013 to 16, said, quote, it beggars belief mm. that we're looking at downsizing the army even further. Right. Here's a fact. McDonald's has more employees in the UK than the British Army. Amazing. And you couldn't even fill Twickenham Stadium with the British Army. That's and, extraordinary. Yeah, you know, And we've got a war on our doorstep yeah. and we're looking to downsize boots on the ground. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, General Sanders feels exactly that. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's asking for, for money. He's not necessarily receiving it. Or it's, well, we're just hearing about 2.4 billion being spent on the NHS. You don't, you, I suppose yeah. you wouldn't say that's not that's, something that's that they well should spent. do. Yep. But they keep finding billions of pounds to send to Ukraine or wherever. Why can't they find money for the army? Well, look, let's come all the way back to we've got 6 million a day on hotels. Yeah. We've got millions for houses. And we've got 6,000 homeless veterans mm. yeah. with 10,000 empty military quarters. Yeah. Um, back to the government. And whatever happened that. to the, 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 the veterans um, sort of minister? Um, we know about you know the difficulties of, of trying to get you know a representative from the armed forces yeah. into government. Yeah. But we thought we had one. Well, we have got one, and you know uh, Johnny Murphy, hundred percent, has my back. Yeah. He tries extremely hard, but he's always going has to go out with his begging bowl. Yeah. Offering you know asking for the crumbs. I mean, he was jumping up and down about twelve million the other day. Well, that was great. Yeah. 12 million, two days of hotel bill. We've got 4.1 million veterans and their families. Right. That, that that money was spent by about morning coffee on right. the Monday. Right. Um, We're hoping to get him on at some point. We are hoping, but he's quite busy swimming at the moment down yeah, in well, Plymouth. Yeah, you know, it's summer, nice. isn't it? It's a nice Friday. Nice for him. Um, so I'm sure we'll be able to uh, bend his arm at some point yeah. because, um, you know, he, he is trying very hard. But all too often, and, I, you know... Since my business has been set up 13 years ago, I've seen seven prime ministers come and go. Yeah. And there were more before that. And I just feel the whole veterans community is totally let down. Yeah. Completely. Um, They're just left to their own devices. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about yeah. um, a recruitment because we've got Dan Wilkinson uh, with us this week, who's the founder of Hire a Veteran. Um, and he's sort of at the coalface, I guess, as well, yeah. uh, as you know, of ex-military recruitment. Uh, a veteran himself as well. Um, Dan, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thank you Thank very you much. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Not at all. Thanks very much for, for joining us. Tell us a little bit about um, veterans that you've placed in employment, how you've dealt with that, how you've come to, uh, to be doing what you're doing. Well, I'll start with a rhetorical question, Mike, if I may. Uh, and that uh, We're based in North Yorkshire, so... What do veterans and farmers' wives have in common? And the answer is that they can both handle pretty much anything you throw at them. <laughs> they trained that, that way. In a nutshell, is what veterans are all about. Robust, resilient, will tackle anything. And the mantra that I keep coming up with is that veterans get stuff done. That's what we did when we served. I served almost 18 years in the infantry 
I've been out 15 years now. So I think I have a fairly good balance of both sides of the coin. And I understand the requirements on both sides. And what we do at Hire a Veteran is we educate both employers about what you get when you hire a veteran. And we also educate our veterans and our service leavers as to the challenges that await them and how to overcome them. And as far as your kind of general uh, principles go, I suppose, do you find that some employers are surprised when you can present them with these kind of, you know, uh, scenarios and you say, look, these guys can basically do anything you want them to do. Is there prejudice out there against them for some for some places? It's not a prejudice as such. It's a lack of understanding, Mike. I think the realistic example, let me give you an example. I speak to people in the energy sector and they're working on offshore platforms developing wind or, or, or whatever, or working in old school oil and gas. And they're looking for engineers. So the military have hundreds of thousands of engineers and a number of them will be leaving each year. They have a constant churn. And what the employers fail to grasp is that the engineering principles of those people are the same, whether you've practiced those on a ship or a plane or a tank as they are, they're all pneumatics, hydraulics, electrics. It's just the fact that it's on a slightly different platform. Mm. And therefore, they need educating that with a little bit of training, a tiny bit of hand-holding, these guys and girls can develop into really, really um, value-add people in that business. And that's what we try and do. We talk to these employers and say, you need to think a little bit more broadly and understand that these guys are highly adaptable. They learn fast, they work on their own. They don't just do what they're told. They're incredibly good at autonomous working. They come with a problem solving attitude, really positive, highly adaptable team player. They bring leadership to whatever it is they do because that's a natural trait. And yet time and again, I keep coming up against the same thing that I felt and I experienced when I left the army, which is, I'm sorry, you don't have any relevant experience. Mm. Interesting stuff. Dan, listen, we're going to put all of your information out there for people to get in touch with you. Uh, but that's Dan Wilkinson, founder from Hire a Veteran. Uh, we're here with Hugh Andre from uh, Force Select. We're going to be keeping this going. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to talk to Alistair Golden coming up, Secretary of the Queen's Regiment Association. Uh, this is the Veterans Voice. Um, we will be giving out all sorts of helpful information as we go, uh, as we go through this every single Friday. So do stay with us. And if you've got any questions or you've got any texts or tweets that you want to send in to us, of course you can do that as well. Uh, 87222 with the text. Uh, you can tweet us at Talk TV. Uh, we will try and collect all of them as best we can. We'll be back with more after this. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. I'm uh, here, of course, with Hugh Andre because this is a, a veteran's voice. We're going to speak very shortly and to our next guest, Alistair Golden, who's Secretary of the Queen's Regiment Association and the Queen's Regiment's Riders Association in Fabersham in Kent. Uh, it's their big uh, fundraising weekend right now. Let me just read you quickly this. Um, Mike, great that you're talking about veterans. Can you mention pensions for those who left the service before 1975 but did not qualify for a pension? After 75, three years service gets you a pension. Before that, you had to serve 22 years. There are 
thousands of us with many years service i did 12 but do not get a pension says michael in kent we'll come back to that issue hugh but let's go straight now though to alistair golden secretary of the queen's regiment association alistair um thanks for waiting for us uh, welcome to uh, a veteran's voice how are you doing Excellent. Now, we understand it's your fundraising weekend this weekend, so tell us what you're up to. Right, well, uh, let me tell you first of all about um, the the build that that we're doing at the present moment. Uh, Over the last 10 years, we've we've seen an increased number uh, of our veterans requiring assistance. Now, while it's fairly easy to provide uh, financial assistance, as a result of their service conflicts such as Northern Ireland, Iraq, Afghanistan, Sierra Leone, the Baltics, you name it, we've probably done it. Sadly, uh, recently we've started to experience uh, suicides. We've had eight suicides uh, since 2018. Sorry, um, Alistair, we're just getting a lot of wind uh, interference there. I don't know if you can find yourself a slightly less windy spot. It's good to see what you're doing there. Uh, Hugh, tell us a little bit about Alistair's work because yeah. we're hopefully, hopefully getting back in a So, slightly... Al- so um, Alistair was seeing a real rise in veterans' mm. suicides, right. me- mental, issue, mental health issues, and quite a lot of loneliness when they come out. So the, the Queen's Regiment Association, effectively, um, they looked for some land, um, didn't get a response from the MOD so in the end they they raised money to buy the land and then the veterans themselves as you'll see shortly built the clubhouse built the facilities Um, it's a meeting point for their sort of motorcycling um, I wouldn't go as far to say as their uh, uh, you know, Hell's Angel right. type. Okay, hang back. They're they're all ex regiment right. regimental motorcyclists. I think we've got Alistair back yep. in a slightly less windswept area. Alistair, sorry about that. How are you doing? Hi. No, yeah. I'm fine. Sorry, sorry about that. It has got a bit windy. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Think, Go ahead. I think I was I think I was telling you about the fact that we'd had uh, eight suicides since 2018. Yeah. Uh, and we obviously had to do something about it. So we took a lot of advice. Uh, and um, consistent advice that we had was that, that we should uh, use horticulture combined with uh, social and uh, and with community. On the horticultural side, it means we get the boys out into the open air and get their hands dirty. On the uh, social side, you know, squaddies like nothing more than, than pulling up a sandbag, swinging the light, um, having a beer and telling stories of daring do. Uh, mostly exaggerated, uh, but it, but it, you know, it gives. Us but you get a special prize for the best exaggeration, presumably. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. uh, it gets us, it, it gets us the chance of being able to talk uh, to the boys and getting them to open up. Um, and the idea, the original idea, came up from that. Fantastic. So, what are you, uh, what are you hoping to fundraise this weekend, and and how can people? help you out with that? What, what, where can people go to, to, to contribute? Right, okay. Um, well, um, what, what we decided we'd do is to build the, the Veterans uh, Horticultural Rehabilitation Social uh, and Community Centre. Um, and we'd also combine it with a requirement that the Queen's Regimental Riders Association, which is one of our 17 branches, uh, uh, needed somewhere uh, for them to meet. Um, so uh, the first thing that we had to do 
uh, was to persuade our trustees, who've been incredibly supportive, um, that this would be a good idea. Uh, we then had to find land, um, and we looked at something like 32 different places to have a look, none of which was suitable. We contacted the Ministry of Defence um, because they've got loads of land, but needless to say, they didn't bother replying. Um, and uh, anyway, eventually, uh, we found this incredible piece of land uh, and, um, and, and we then started the planning process. Well, planning is never easy. We had to deal with a borough council, three parish councils, who eventually uh, were, were, were very supportive. Right. Uh, although they did put 12 conditions down of us, each of which, each of which required a, uh, an expensive report. Um, we then had to raise money for the materials um, because all the, all the labour... Uh, was going to come from the QRRA. And the yeah. agreement with the trustees was that they'd buy the land right. uh, and the QRRA would raise the funds and then build it. Right. We're uh, going to have to... We're gonna, Alistair, we're going we're gonna to make sure that we get um, information from you, which we will post because we're unfortunately running out of time. Uh, the clock is constantly against us here at, at Talk TV. Um, but, Hugh, I want to thank you for, for kicking this thing off. We're going to be doing it every Friday. It's a veteran's voice, and this is what it means. The Veterans Voice. We'll be back with more, of course, uh, next week, uh, Friday at 12.30 with Hugh Andre and some other great guests. And we'll keep you informed. And thank you for all of your texts and all of your calls. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.